Hi, Dan Alexander here, and this episode is brought to you by Required, the all-in-one go-to platform for serious recruitment professionals, owners, and founders who are looking to grow their businesses. Now, we'll actually be launching the new online platform very soon, and if you'd like to be one of the first people to get access to our state-of-the-art learning platform and vault of online resources, then get in touch with us through the link in the description of this episode. So on today's required podcast, I've got a great guest, Gary Wills, who is founder of Talent Today, but also you probably know him from a company called Furlearn. Got to know Gary during the pandemic, and I can only describe him as such a great, nice bloke. Um, he talks about the good times, some of the bad times, advice on setting up businesses and what he sees as the coming market. Really enjoyable episode. Could have talked for hours. Hope you enjoy so welcome to the Required Podcast. Today, as a guest, I'm delighted to have Gary Wills. Um, for those of you who don't know Gary, um, he was one of what I would call the heroes of the pandemic. Um, a lot of people will know him from the product he set up, Furlan, um, but he's now the owner, founder, and rainmaker for Talent Today. So, um, Gary, great to have you on the on the podcast. You're looking very seasonal in the background there. Are those Christmas lights, or is, is this just you're putting candles on for the electricity to... Uh... They went up last Christmas, and I've kept them because they're just like, I really like them. But the, the tree is going up tonight. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah for those, for those um, not sure when the podcast will go out, but we're 30th of November now, so good, strong, early, fatherly Christmas decorations like that, Gary. So... Um, Gary, we, we met in March 20, and it wasn't the most normal of meetings, was it? It wasn't, actually, no. I think I um, you I think you were attending a, a session on Furlearn, um, and you were on, like, my mailing list, and I don't know, you, you, you tell the story. You're better at telling the story on this one, Andy. So, so as I recall, um, I think I was going through, you know, quite a difficult time. You know, it was COVID, I was starting a new business, um, I think I just had my flight bump, so I couldn't go and see my family. And, um, you know, I, I was basically stuck. And I got an email probably about seven, eight at night. And it's just like, can you just take me off your mailing list? And I think that was a general gist of it. Might have been a couple of extra words in there as well. I'm sure we can dig out the mail. I think you might call it spam. Oh, I might call you spam. Dunk. But what I respected most was you came back and you said, look, I'm just trying to help people out. Are you okay? And I think it was at a time where there were a lot of, you know, a lot of emotions, people were running high, people didn't know what was happening, people struggling with their business, people struggling, you know, with families, with illness, with relationships. And yeah, and, and actually it really stood out. And I'm like, oh, you know, he's actually a real person behind this. And, you know, I think then we just sort of got chatting a little bit after that. And and obviously I watched what you did with Furlearn and, yeah, it was just just well. So tell us how that happened. So you set up Furlearn. And for those yeah. who don't know, tell us what that was. Well, initially I, I was furloughed myself. I'd worked for a company for 10 years, been in recruitment for 20. Um, and I found myself after being... <laughs> At the time, and, and not in a big way, but I was one of the the top top sort of top performers, and went from 
doing really well to finding myself quite vulnerable being furloughed and one of few actually so uh obviously initially i took it quite personally um um, and my confidence was really low so i actually decided initially to do a little charity run where uh it was when covid really kicked in and i did a little run from uh nightingale london to nightingale birmingham on my treadmill and it just got my confidence back and it, it went really well raised about seven and a half grand Lorraine showcased it on on ITV and it was it just gave me this feel-good factor and it was like I, I just sort of came up with this idea and you know Chris Kendrick very well yep. uh from Mercury I, I I came up with this idea of calling it uh furlough friends where I wanted to create a network a group and he went that's rubbish it's really cheesy um, and he helped me with the name to come up with furlough and so I can't actually take credit for it it was actually his 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 uh his wording but it was basically set up to I decided to set it up while I was furloughed to help people who were either job searching, furloughed, feeling vulnerable, um, lost, living on their own, confidence low, well-being down, and wanted to improve their mental well-being through the pandemic, which went from supporting about 50 people up to, I think, in total about three and a half thousand. So um, it, it went really well. Every week we were hosting webinars from sleep gurus because we're all struggling to sleep to master chefs to help us cook healthy meals to a polar explorer to talk about self-isolation so motivational talkers we did 50 about 50 sessions and it just it just sort of took off it went really really well um and we did a survey where i think this is probably the best my biggest achievement that i've ever done was we did a survey and the average um people's average mental well-being score was a 4.9 um, and there was a lot of people was in the ones and twos which is very vulnerable suicidal but a bit huge worry um, and within four weeks we managed to lift that to 7.7 .7 as an average so which is in a much better place so with the people within the network that that I had I I reached out got 17 volunteers to sort of help out we built um, mental well-being WhatsApp groups um, to support people that were really vulnerable, um, and we just gave recruitment hacks, advice, tips, advice because I'm a recruiter. I was basically giving away as much as I possibly could for the job searcher to help them get the job for free, um, and it was just making me feel good, you know. And it was helping other people, so it it, it definitely filled a void during the uh, during the pandemic. How much of that about was about helping other people versus actually giving yourself some form of fulfillment? Um, I'd say probably nearly all of it because go back sort of three months just before I was furloughed, I just returned. Uh, I was burnt out at work and I had four weeks off my first ever issue with mental health problems. And I was off work really low. And that's why actually I could realize something was wrong with you. You know, your reaction was you were growling, you know, that, that email you sent back was quite punchy. I knew something was wrong. What I later found out was, you know, what you told me that you couldn't get your flights out to uh, to South Africa to meet your family. So you were going through a stressful time. And that's what I was going through. I was going like, six weeks before I was going through horrendous time with my mental health. Um, and I realized if I feel like this, there's going to be so many more people out there that are going to be feeling really down and yeah you know financial problems i was very fortunate i got you know the best part of 30k on furlough so the but the job searchers didn't you know the people that are made redundant or didn't have the privilege of, of furlough 
they were in a really really sort of tough place so it was it was making me feel good to to do some good for others yeah it's interesting you say that i mean i i was you know at that point where i think it was about seven months before i could get out and see the kids so and also as well i was building a business um, yeah. I left S3 six months before and, you know, uh, I've been there 20 years as well. And then throw in the, I, I don't think anyone knew where this thing was going to go when it was going to end. So it was all, you know, it was all new territory. There was no manual to dust off on. This is what to do when, you know, a global pandemic hits, um, not since Spanish flu anyway, and things were a bit yeah. different from then. So, yeah, I think it was, it was a strange time, strange time for everyone. It was, you know, there was a, there was a lot of people just, you know, it, it was, I'll, I'll be honest as well, I was most days 12 o'clock, you know, at times there was nothing more to do than have a barbecue, have a beer, and it was becoming that routine of cycle. Um, but, you know, with a a community of people that we brought together, it sort of broke that that sequence. And there was, you know, we did loads of cool, we did so many cool things, which just sort of got people back up. And actually, I look back sometimes now and think, I wish I could do it all again, but um, I have to make money. I think for me, the, the, the thing in March 20 was just the sense of community. And for, for me, it was how people were just helping each other. So I remember speaking to Mike Ames um, yeah. and, you know, Mike does similar to me. Um, he's a lot better at it, but he does similar to me. He advised businesses on how to grow. And I think the conversation I had with him was, you know, he had about 20 customers on retainer and 19 of them issued notice on him, you know, that week. And I said, but who did you keep? Are there a video conferencing company? I'm like, well, that'll keep you busy for a bit. But I think what was, you know, again, I was starting a business and it was just me. You know, I just had to look after myself. You know, Mike had staff, he had premises, he had, you know, contracts with suppliers and, you know, I think for for all those business owners as well, you think back to, wow, you know, it's not just them. It's also everyone they've got, the, you know, the staff, the suppliers, you know, it, it's all those type of things as well. So, yeah, um, the, the pressure on everyone was just immense. It was, you know, and I look back now and I took it very personally when I was furloughed, but the pressure that my MD and the manager that I was working for at the time you know, and the pressure that they were under daily, you know, it was just, you know, you just literally didn't know where your next sale was coming from, where the money was going to come from. Yeah. You know, high pressure, high stress. But so, things- so Furlan, apart from being a good thing, was, you know, incredibly well recognized. So I think there's, there's, there's two things here. I think obviously as, you know, it raised your profile. You know, you went from Gary Wells, good big, good biller to Gary Wells, recruitment figurehead. Um, you know, that was that that for me was really interesting to watch. But I think the funniest, well, the best story I heard was um was when you when you got a call from the Prime Minister's office. Yeah, so it's not been all, you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, I will say. Um it's been a bit of a tough time, and I know you've been through it as well. So going through a separation, unfortunately going through a divorce now. And you know, it was, was a time quite a while back in the pandemic where I was literally in a bath in a hotel room with four beer cans next to me. And I wasn't in a very good place, I'll be honest. And the phone rang and it was a lovely lady called Lara. And I, I didn't know, you know, I said, Lara who, sorry? She goes, it's Lara from the, the prime minister's office. And I was I was like, you are? 
I said, you're joking, yeah, good wind up. And she went, no, 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 um, Boris wants to appoint you as, and your team as the point of um, point of light next Thursday in Downing Street. I was like, really? Um, unfortunately, we never got to make it down to uh, Downing Street, but How the, come? Uh, literally that week, the restrictions just went like sky high. So Andy Street. Uh, I thought Downing it. Street was the only place to go for a party in that. In that yeah, time. I know. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, the, the, a couple of weeks later, I went to the Rico Arena at Coventry and um, met Andy Street, which was pretty cool, the mayor of Birmingham. So that was a really, that was really, really nice. But um, yeah, um, it, I literally it was mixed emotions, you know, <laughs> going through a divorce and then you got a call from the prime minister's office. So it was, it was bizarre, shall we say. Having gone through this and then furlough, people started to go back. And obviously the furlough scheme ended you know when it when it did but when i spoke to business leaders um, they felt furlough was great but to a point and then people came very very reliant on it businesses became reliant on it people came quite reliant on it um i won't name him but he was like look we're going to accelerate some changes but all the time we're just kicking the can down the road and you know there's got to be a great redistribution but we can't do this because effectively we've got this government scheme that's supporting it. We've got to pay a little bit. It doesn't, but it, you know, we can't move on with our business and these people can't move on with their lives. I found fellow it was great for, you know, it, it saved a lot of people. It really did say, you know, it really helped me financially, but I, I actually think it was a lot of wasted money in there. You know, it was, there was a lot of businesses that really took the mickey out of it yeah. uh, and the government's fault, you know, that they could have, probably halved it um there was businesses that really didn't need the furlough and they just benefited from it financially but i think they could have actually put more money into children's um well-being you know um more charities could have been built more support for people that were going through it's interesting because suicidal rates and stuff like that really aren't getting talked about aren't getting released but there's been such a massive impact since the pandemic and there hasn't been enough you know money pumped into that you try and get your child into um for a mental health visit uh currently you're probably waiting about 18 months you know it's just it's just not good enough so there's been so much money that was burnt there that could have been used for other things and also things like innovation as well there could have been money that pumped into more things like you know uh, emerging technologies ai data battery farms all of that we, we there could have been better money spent I heard so many horror stories. I heard like people who had two companies were basically furloughing people in one of their companies and then making them work in the other. Um, yep. um, I heard stories of a lot of recruitment companies out there that you know were basically furloughing people, but then telling them to find LinkedIn candidates for them and and still actually making them work. But yep. don't, don't log in. Just send us all these resumes on WhatsApp. And I guess as a taxpayer. And also, you know, the scheme was, you know, was was a was a once in a lifetime scheme designed to help out the vulnerable. And when you see, you know, people who've got big businesses abusing it, but there were some good businesses that came out of it as well that gave the money back. You know, there have been some good ones in there. So, but as a whole, it, it was a very costly exercise. I think they could have learned when they when they reopened the furlough the second time, they could have gone about it a different way. But they just used the same model, which didn't, yeah. Away, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that it's that whole sort of thing around. Okay, shit, this is an emergency, right? We can't wait months and months to deploy this. It has to be done now. Yeah. Um. 
And yeah, it was just, and, and as well, bounce, bounce back loans and C bills. It was all, you, you're going to see some cracking default rates on those going forward as well, especially as the interest rates um, move up as well. Um, so apart from the fraud, I think as well, do you, do you feel there's a, a certain, you know, it made it a bit easy for people as well? I mean, it was a lovely summer. Don't get me wrong. I remember. Um, yeah. And right ones. Yeah. And, and you know, that whole sort of Netflix and sit in the garden, you know, actually, you know, perhaps it was great. You know, it, it suited people. Did, did you find they were almost sort of, you know, uh, you know, furlough absolute winners who were like, this is amazing? Yeah, some people, the majority of people that I spoke to didn't really enjoy the furlough experience because they were left in no man's land. Um, but the worst, you know, there are some that I've spoke to just, you know what, I just needed a holiday. I just needed a break. And yeah. I'm not I'm not guilty for saying it. You know, it's changed my life. It's changed my way of working. But there were a lot of people like myself that was like, Jesus, what's next? Are they going to call me back? What's going to happen? What's it going to look like? Am I going to be starting from scratch all over again? Do I want to go back? You know, all of these questions, which, you know, everything changed in my sleep. You know, I was grinding my teeth. I was, you know, it was just everything, you know, it just completely changed overnight. So what I would say was that in that period, the people that were on furlough, as, as much as there was some financial reward for them, I wouldn't say reward, but, you know, compensation, whatever, there, there was a lot of uh, people that were, were massively worried you know um I, I, yeah I, I still see that today you know unfortunately i still speak, speak to people that are still out of work but so um we'll leave fellow after this question but yeah. uh, there's um I, i've heard rumors of certain firms putting people um obviously there's been a slight downturn in in hiring um but i hear some firms putting people on furlough without pay what's your view on that oh well it's just you know slavery isn't it <laughs> It's, it's like wow it's just the morally incorrect thing to do but you know it's um on the flip side you know there could be you, you've got to look at where that person's at the business leader you know and they're bending the rules to try and save their business trying you know they're trying to feed feed their family but it's not right you know trust me that uh is a doesn't sit very well I can imagine. So anyway, after doing furlough, and I think, you know, I think we probably had a conversation and um, I think actually when I was speaking to maybe Mike and Chris, you know, we were talking actually about that. And you must have been in a decision before you set up talent today. Do I go and take on furlough and, you know, it can be you know, similar, you know, it can be different. Or do I go and start my own business? I know we we sort of had that conversation, myself, daughter and Charlotte. We, we started Required originally as the Lockdown Leadership Network. So mm-hmm. when we started that, it was very much around groups helping each other, setting up similar, but obviously for you know recruiters who were building their businesses or or, or in recruitment businesses. But it, it changed, you know, what, what worked then worked differently. So you must have been, you know, what was your thought process behind starting talent today as opposed to it it happened. It, it, yeah. It happened very quickly. So in the late summer, I was recalled from my furlough um, from my employer and I just served my notice there and then. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I I spoke to a number of people saying, could I make something out of furlough? Um, You know, it it really did. It was a really cool e-learning platform that went on to win awards against you know, it was it was it was it was brilliant. When I saw you up against Lloyd's Bank, I thought, you know, good luck with that one. 
Um, and like, fair play. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> the interesting one was we're, we're up, against, up against AstraZeneca, who created the coronavirus, you know, um, <laughs> the, 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 the drug. So it, it was bizarre. We were like, how has this happened? But, you know, these 17 amazing people that I had working with me just, you know, it, it just worked. It really worked. But it was a very quick decision. It was, I didn't want to monetize. I didn't want to make money out of furlough because I would feel like a fraud, but it was, yeah, I did that to, to, you know, there, there was an end goal and there, there really wasn't, it was, you know, it, it was to help people. It was to help myself as well, um, make myself feel better. So I, I very quickly just decided, you know what, I know how to do recruitment. There's ideas that I've got, you know, different ideas of how about going about the recruitment process. So I decided to set up Talent Today, which focuses in the uh, IT project delivery world, but it's a very video focused approach. So pretty much every candidate that goes across their video interviewed by myself or a virtual resourcer. I watch a lot of your stuff. And what's really interesting for me, actually, is I, I think you didn't do that before. So I'm getting, yeah, and I think actually that furlough and that whole gave you the confidence. You had to be confident for three and a half thousand other people. And I see your your postings and there's a real confidence there. Yeah, I, you know, I never used to do video interviewing before. It was an idea that I'd always had, you know, um, and like video introductions and stuff like that to clients that, that was always on the radar, um, but it never had a chance to roll it out properly. Um I, th- I think the the uh, the furlough experience of you know being on a webinar and just when I look at episode one to when I look at episode fifty, I wouldn't say episode fifty is polished or anything like that. It's very natural. It's quite easy going, but you know it was very nervous at the start and at the end it's it's just relaxed and chilled. You know it's just two different people. So it taught me so much about how to maybe hold myself on camera, how to present myself, and really not uh, care about what people think. You know, when I do a video on social media, on LinkedIn, for instance, I really don't care what people think of me no more. You know, before it used to think, oh, shall I post this? Shall I not? But I really do see the power in what the, you know, what social media brings on, on a marketing side. It's it's, it's massive. And I, I know you, you, you're you the same. You, you love it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm not super confident around it. And I think probably it was meeting daughter and Charlotte that uh, got me because when, when I started working with them, it felt like I knew them because I'd sort of seen their journey. They were a really authentic journey of backpacking and then, you know, trips to New York, those type yeah. of things. And 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 actually, you know, the, the podcast was one of the things that we, we feel differentiates ourselves that required. You know, we, we're pretty consistent on it. We've got our partners, we've got members such as yourself. But it, it was out of the comfort zone. It's still a little bit out of the comfort zone around, you know, doing this. But I think I think the other thing is you've got to be really consistent about it as well. You know, I, I did times where I did a podcast and I wouldn't do one for four weeks and, yeah. or I'd do three in a week. And so now I just get into that sort of habit of doing it. You know, it's like training. You just want to be repeatable around just just doing it and realise, you know what, it's the right, it's the right thing to do. People, you know, and and yeah but i it, it's difficult i mean i i ran a video product um uh, built one up from a previous employer and the first thing you've actually got to do is get in front of it yourself because if you don't how can you expect your customers or your users or your own team to do so absolutely absolutely yeah, and that's the 
you know, it, it, you're right. It's the consistency, it's the momentum that you bring. I, I launched a, a podcast called The 10 Minute Project Fix, and I have paid for 10 episodes and I think I got to seven and you know you're right it just that there is a plan anyway to to relaunch it or do something else on LinkedIn live or whatever it is but it's consistency is key you know it's 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 very easy not to do it you've got to stay disciplined what I think I most love about the journey is your um um your, your killing of cars and laptops I mean it's pretty phenomenal and phones Oh, on phones as well, right? Okay. Lost. I lost seven hundred contacts out of my phone, and I, I don't ask. But no, yeah, I. You're um, not one of these people that are on Facebook. It's like lost my phone. Send your number. I did that. I was my WhatsApp status for about um, three months, and nobody sent me a message. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I literally went from when when I was when I left my the privilege of having a company car at my last place, and, and I'm. Yeah, I did love that car, but it is just a piece of metal. I drove around in a 600-pound Honda Jazz uh, for about nine months, and I forgot to put oil in it, so that blew up. Focus, and I made the same mistake again. That one blew up as well. Um, so, And then I had a little Saab for a bit, um, but donated that one out. That was, uh, um, And now I've got my, own, my first company car, which I'm really chuffed about. So, so I think what's really impressive for me was, right, you had the Saab, who did you donate it to? Well, it was, it, 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 I asked the kids what they wanted to do. I was like, kids, we could sell it, and you know, 1,200 quid, 1,300 quid. Do you, do you want the money? Uh, or do you want to, um, should we buy something else with it? Or do you want to donate it to a Ukrainian family? And my son said, let's donate it. My daughter said, let's get the money. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we decided that um, we would find a Ukrainian family. And what ended up happening was, um, where I work on this business part, there's a, there's a big manor house and they converted it into communal living for 52 people. So it was donated effectively to um, to them as a, a oh, wow. communal pool car. Unfortunately, it's... It, put oil in it, it blew up. No, it just hasn't quite worked out. They can't get the insurance, so it just sat there. So it hasn't... They, they could only barely use it because... The laws in in the UK are like you need they need to be for insurance purposes. Uh, they need to have an automatic, um, so it was too high risk. But it was a nice touch anyway. The kids got to uh, got a massive mention in their assembly at school from oh. the headmaster. So and and that's what it's all about, you know. It's it's um, for them that was huge, you know that uh, that act of kindness that they did. Um, hopefully, they continue with that and keep keep thinking that way. So business. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of people set up their businesses and a lot of people saw that as the push to, right, I'm going to start my own business and do it. How have you found it? Uh, the first year was just, I thought, do a real sexy video, you know, pay six, 700 quid for somebody to come in and video me and then do a launch and everything like that. It was all very glossy and lovely. There's going to be loads of business thrown my way. And it was the complete opposite. You know, it was, ah, this is pretty tough. And I went three months without doing anything um to the point where i was really worried and then christmas eve uh just i think it was the 20th of december a couple of years ago i had an opportunity i never even thought about doing contract recruitment it was always going to be perm someone said i need a contract ba and i was like okay and now i've got the opportunity to trial out my model i said if i can video interview them for you are you quick to move and they said yeah so did that and they offered them on christmas eve and they started on the uh, on the fourth of 
4th of Jan. And it literally changed my my thinking of actually, can I change this into a contract business? So actually, maybe when I go on holiday, uh, I've got still got people working and I'm still making money rather than having to start at zero all the time. So I do a little blend of contract and perm. But that first year, you know, um, I think the one of the biggest lessons is, is to just keep in control of your debt because I nearly had to liquidate the company on, on month nine because um, the one of the clients I was working for just didn't pay the bill to my funding partner and the funding partner turned the, the lights off pretty much with immediate notice. So I was, I was up for the best part of about 30 grand when I didn't really, I didn't have 30 grand at the time. So it was a bit of a worry if I didn't get the money in very quickly, which was the outstanding bill was about 130 grand. Um, yeah, I was in trouble. So, I mean, I, I think this is a lesson for, you know, I see a lot of recruiters, you know, they're good billers and yeah, it, it's all of those little things. Well, getting paid is not a little thing, let's be honest. But it, it's all of those things that you've got to do. It, 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 it's not, you know, billing quarter of a million quid for a firm is very different from billing quarter of a million quid for yourself. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. And I, I used to work for an amazing MD uh, called Rob Malaband, and he used to make it our responsibility as a consultant to chase the debt. And that is something which actually... You can't rely on somebody else. You can't rely on your funding partner to chase the debt. And when you get this report coming around and it's saying 50 days overdue, you're not in control of what they're going to do next. And when they turn the lights off and you've got eight contractors working for you and they're all on £600 a day and they're not paying them for last week, so, you know, they have to get paid. You know, that closes my business overnight if I don't pay them. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a massive, massive learning curve and something that now, you know, the, the the debt side, I try and make sure that everything's sort of cleaned up within, you know, max of 30 to 40 days. Yeah. And I think I think there's a lesson there for end hirers as well, because, you know, they're not dealing with big corporates. They're dealing with individuals and small businesses that, you know, do really, you know, cash flow is the lifeblood. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. You know, for a small little small business for me, uh, you know, you you think you have a target in your head and you think um if you can achieve it you, you know you think oh, I'm quits in i don't think you really realize in the first year how difficult it is to get your hands on money you know it takes so long for it to come through the system um uh and it took me quite a while to actually take a basic salary so um but now you know year two it's been it this year has been one of the best years I've had, you know, in recruitment. So um I I really can't complain. I'm I'm a bit nervous about what's coming up um in, in this well, I think we're currently already in it, the recession, but it's it seems like the market's just slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I think my view on it, and I, as you know, I advise a number of number of firms, some very big, some quite small and i think what i've seen over the year is that h1 was a market like no one's ever seen uh it started to cool in sort of q2 and but it was it was this classic case of get as much headcount as you can in um the jobs 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 let's make hay and and people did and then sort of things started to normalize so i still think we're in a good market yeah just don't think we're in the great unparalleled market that we did see back end of 2021 early 22 where it's just I've, I've never seen anything like it 
yeah it, it was it was nuts and you know for a, a small little business like me it was I was very grateful for it because it's it's you know now I'm good for a couple of years to keep the lights on you know and I have goals to take it to the next level maybe next year so um yeah it's it's not been too bad this year it's been okay so what would your advice be to someone in you know your sort of similar situation they've they've worked a recruitment company they've they've built up there and then they get the tap on the shoulder and let's let's be honest it's not going to be furlough again the government aren't you know government can't afford to do that so it's going to be and and actually top contract billers are the most vulnerable yeah. because you know, they're sat there contractors will still be sat there um there's a there's a guy i know i think he built about seven hundred thousand, and they let him go because actually they just wanted to keep his commission i suspect so it will happen to good billers as well as people who haven't performed as well but what's your advice to anyone effectively setting up their own business in the coming months um I'd say make sure you've got a runway of at least nine months, best case scenario, 12 months worth of cash behind you. Um, Only do it if you're really passionate about it. If you just think, you know, if if, if setting up a business isn't what you think about every morning when you get up in the shower, you think, you know, if you haven't got really that aspiration to do it, chances are it may well fail um, because it's, it's not really, you know, this is a very lonely thing where one minute you're the, the FD, you're chasing debts, you're doing admin, you're doing all sorts of things. I'd, I'd also say is keep your, um, try and keep your spend down as best as possible in the, in the you know, in the first three, four months. And if you can get a deal, you know, just get, get the confidence as quickly as possible. Get you know, get that first deal in, and really celebrate it. You know, celebrate that moment because before you know it, you're chasing your tail again. And and try and find that. I'd say I think the, the key is is trying to find your niche. You know, and that's massive. You know, Dwarter always kicks on about it. You know, hugely. Um, but finding what that 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 why are you different from the other recruiters, the million recruiters out there. What what makes you stand out? So. I'd, I'd be interested, actually, from the other side. I mean, you've built community. Obviously, you're a member of Required. Um, you're in our dinghy group, and, yeah, you're a great contributor there. Um, what would your advice be to to us guys at Required in terms of building our community? I think you're doing a, a good job of it, to be fair. Um, I, I think... Uh... You've you've got that you've got the event this Thursday night that I'm I'm seeing you keep people together. Um, there's good learning, you know. I, I'd say just keep post maybe within the group as well. You you could maybe use the WhatsApp groups to become a little bit more visual, you know. So instead of it being just all text based, maybe actually say, guys, I've just had this idea, and actually record it and send it to the group so that they can actually see a bit more of who Andy is rather than just the name. Or Dwarter or Charlotte, you know, they, an actual idea that you've got. Like, have you thought about this? Or just say, so "Where, guys? There's there's this deal which is opening up with this funding partner, or what? You know, whatever it is, just maybe putting your face to it a little bit more." That's a really good tip. Well, thanks for that. And so I'll I'll, I'll definitely try that. I mean, yeah, the events for us are an interesting one. When we set that up, um, obviously we're in the middle of lockdown, so events just weren't a thing, and. 
Uh, there's some really good companies out there doing events. So our focus just tends to be more on the sort of socials than the, the learning events. But yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, to Thursday. Um, the podcast will probably go out after that. So, yeah, um, um, yeah. if there's any um, added stuff, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put that on. So we've talked a little bit about it and is the elephant in the room. But where do you think this market's going to go next year? And it's it, it it's it, it it's what everyone's talking about. No one's sure. No one's sure. You know, it's. Um, I think it will flatline a little bit. To be fair, I think it's not going to. I think usually in downturns and stuff like that, you'll see. Unfortunately, clients negotiating terms. Um, you know, trying to cut costs, cut rates, cut contractors. Um, but there is a massive. You know, within the. Uh, the tech sector and IT sector that, that I work within, you know, there is a massive demand for talent. So it, it's a, it's a catch twenty two. Companies will want to save business, but they want to stay ahead of their competitors. So I actually think the IT market as as a whole will be okay, but I think there'll be other sectors which will that will struggle. So the big one for you, and I, I know you're a very authentic guy, so you'll you'll be open about this. You're in a situation now where it's you, you've got a VA doing the support, and that's great. Do you pull another card? Does this just become, uh, this is my business, this is going to allow me to do this, or do you go on and grow it? Yeah, so I've got, um, and it's something I forgot to mention before as well, is like when you've got a bit of cash behind you, is I think the importance of getting a uh, a mentor i know you mentor lots of businesses and i'd highly recommend you know there's people to who are watching this to speak to yourself i use a guy called paul jacobs lovely guy um he's top guy and i would highly recommend that he's pushing me to hire um i've been in a position where i'm just biding my time because i'm thinking i, I just got a feeling that there's going to be an opportunity that's just going to come up and i don't know what it is yet but something's going to change next year. I just don't know whether I'll hire or or bring a partner in or something like that, where I can actually then take the business to the next level. It is it is an aspiration of me of, of mine. Um, I can't keep doing this on my own all the time. It's it's no fun at times, you know. You want to you want people around you. You want to celebrate with people. Um, but on the flip side, it's quite highly profitable. So. <laughs> I think it's a little bit what you said earlier as well. You, it's you, like risk. You, well, you're thinking it through. You're not 100% committed. I think if you're going to hire that, you know, you're going to build a business. What am I going to build it to? What's, you know, yeah. why am I doing this? You know, because if you're not thinking about that all day, every day, if you're not 100% yeah. committed, you go in half-assed on it, then it'll hurt you. And yeah, and I want to give that person 100% of me. Um, you know, so if I was to hire somebody, they fully got me 100% of the time. And there's times, you, you know what it's like in your life, ups and downs, divorces, whatever. Sometimes you've just got to look after yourself first before you can actually look after others. So um, I'm on a little bit of a journey, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, it, it must be strange because you've gone from this organisation, three and a half thousand people and, you know, lots of conversations to you. And yeah, it, it's that difference. And I think, you know, my my consultancy businesses, myself and Zoe, so yeah, it's quite niche, quite small. Um, yeah. The group for me is where I get a lot of my, I think a lot of my sort of social as well. You know, a lot of sort of group 
group need as well. And I think just as people, we need that. I think there is, the, you know, there's a massive, you know, importance of just keeping your finger on the pulse, making sure you're, um, you're true to your values as well. You know, as, as a startup, if you say you're going to call someone, call them back. If you say you're going to give them feedback, give them the feedback. Um, you know, at the minute, the, my brand, the business is, is is myself, you know, and virtual assistants. Um, so I'm only as good at the minute as my, my last deal, unfortunately, but we're not in a bad place. We're not in a bad place. Look, really looking forward to seeing you Thursday. It's great to catch up with you at the NEC a few weeks ago as well. Um, you know, just sidled up for a cheeky coffee, which is which is great. But I think, you know, what I'm most pleased with is that, you know, three years on from me sending a shitty email, you took the time to reply. I'm really glad you did because it's been great to get to know you. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how you grow your next uh, thing. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, any help you need, just give us a shout. Nice one, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Take care of yourself. See you first. Cheers.